and welcome to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'll be your host. So on today's episode, we're going to be heading over to American Eagle Christian High School. We're going to be going out to the gun range and go shooting some targets. And then afterward, we're going to go to Mercy House and break out all the gay people. Regardless of all that, today we're going to be covering 2004's Saved. Now, this movie had been on my list for a minute to watch. I, myself, was like 12 in 2004 when it came out. So I... I I guess I really could have seen this technically in some way, but I I didn't when it first came out. (laughs) And I really only knew that this had Macaulay Culkin in it. It had Mandy Moore in it. And it was about religion, I guess. And that was about all I knew. And so I finally got around to watching it last year because it was on Prime. And then it was on like Tubi or Pluto or one of those things. So I thought, all right, why not? Screw it. I'll watch it. And so I watched it for the first time. And uh, I'm very glad that I did. I think this movie is such a entertaining movie, you know? And But I do think that generally this movie is something where it's such a personal story of Brian Danley's and... I think for people who maybe grew up in a religious home or had that kind of experience, they could get a little bit of a kick out of it. And uh, it's wholeheartedly, I mean, it doesn't take itself that seriously necessarily, uh, but it takes itself seriously enough. And again, the tone's kind of all over the place a little bit, but I think it still kind of works for what it is. I also will say I think this movie unfortunately kind of got overshadowed by something like Mean Girls. You know, this movie came out in 2004 and actually wide released right after Mean Girls came out. So, of course, in the teen movie pantheon of the time, uh, I think it got a little overshadowed, unfortunately. But that doesn't mean it's not good. I do think it is a good movie and it's definitely worth a watch. I guess for myself, at least, I mean, I didn't really grow up in any kind of religious household um i guess if anything my my mother kind of got into like religion for her own self you know and and um that's fine but i i'm actually kind of glad that i was raised the way i was because uh in particular i was raised by um you know generally a single mom uh since i was like eight or so and with my her and my sister and everything And I think she very much by design, you know, let me and my sister kind of make our own determination on what we believe in terms of our belief system and religion and things like that, which is why pretty much generally I would consider myself an atheist, I guess. I, I'm not much for the, the organized religion, but I'm also somebody who maybe it's because of my mother and I know that she has, you know, her Christianity she goes to and all that, you know, I, I think I'm also very, you know, about being able to let people have their freedoms when it comes to religion. And as long as it's not hurting anybody, I really don't care what anybody does. Um, the issue is the issue I have is when people actively want to use their religion to like judge others or, try to hurt folks and all this and you know that's when i have a problem with it but you know overall though that's kind of my my own thoughts but yeah i think this movie is just so deeply personal to to the director of it and um you know he he was gonna make a movie dude and that's like pretty cool (laughs) but anyway without further ado though you know we're gonna go into some 
of the figures of this movie, uh, touch on a little bit of the production history of the film, uh, and just the legacy of it overall, and then we'll get into a bit of a plot summary as well. So let's get on with those figures. So Safe was released at Sundance Film Festival on January 21st, 2004, and had a wide release in the U.S. on June 11th, 2004. It was directed by Brian Danley and co-written by Brian Danley and Michael Urban. It was produced by Michael O'Hoven, Sandy Stern, Michael Stipe, and William Vince. We're looking at an estimated budget of about $5 million, but we're looking at a U.S. and Canada gross box office of $8,940,582 and a gross worldwide box office of $10,275,509. We're looking at a Rotten Tomatoes score of 61% on the tomato meter and a 78% audience score. We're looking at a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb, and a letterbox score of 3.4 out of 5. For our cast of characters, we have Jenna Malone as Mary Cummings, Mandy Moore as Hilary Fade Stockard, Macaulay Culkin as Roland Stockard, Eva Amari as Cassandra Edelstein, Patrick Fugit as Patrick Wheeler, Elizabeth Ty as Veronica, Chad Faust as Dean Withers, Martin Donovan as Pastor Skip Wheeler, Heather Marazzo as Tia, Mary Louise Parker as Lillian Cummings, and Ket Turton as Mitch. Some critical response quotes for Saved are as follows. We have Tony Medley of TonyMedley.com, who states, Despite Danley's apparent intent to make a statement about tolerance, Saved is an intolerant, morally simplistic film that ignores the concept that there really is something called, quote, right and wrong. We have Sean O'Connell from Eclipse Magazine, who states, takes cheap swings at easy targets and gift wraps a tidy message of forgiveness that's as empty as its put-on Christian attitude. And then we have Dwayne Burge of The Hollywood Reporter, who states, saved serves up the treachery of modern-day high school crowded with stereotypical characters and generic conventions unfortunately the film pontificates with a smug brashness glorifying in its own slight subversions so before we get into any kind of plot summary about saved or anything like that i do want to just talk about the production history of this film how it came to be things of that sort and also the legacy of this film as well now, I had the the pleasure of talking to Brian Danley, actually. Um, we were going to do audio recording, but didn't end up working out. But we did get to do kind of a FaceTime thing together, which was nice. And so I was able to get some insight from him about what it was like to make this film. Uh, so if you don't already know, Brian Danley uh, was born in Germany. He then came to America with his family. And they ended up settling in Carroll County in Maryland, which, uh, if you are from here, you may know, but if you're not, uh, Carroll County is a more like rural type area. And so, you know, that's just the reality of life. Um, and so he ended up going to a like Christian or Baptist high school. Um, he actually got kicked out of his house when he was 17. Um, you know, from coming out and everything. He then ended up moving into the city, I believe, is what he told me. Because I was like, where did you live in Baltimore? And he like told me, like, oh, yeah, I lived in this area, like, when I moved out or whatever. Then he ended up um, going to, like, the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, um, went in there. And then uh, for grad school, because he wanted to be a filmmaker, he wanted to be in, you know, doing movies and everything, he ended up... Um, going out to California to go to AFI, which is American Film Institute. 
Saved really came from, I guess, like, you know, being told, like, write what you know, right? And so uh, he knew what it was like to live in a very, you know, Christian household and all that good stuff. And uh, he he decided to write about it. And his writing partner, uh, Michael Urban, ended up uh, also coming from, like, a uh, family of evangelicals as well. And so they were, like, a year apart or something in the program they were in. So they just hit it off really well. Uh, they liked all the same movies and stuff like that. And that's what kind of got them together as a writing partner where they still do that now, uh, which is cool. Pretty much it was a write what you know sort of thing. Like, you know, and uh, a lot of these experiences that are in this movie are are things that Brian Danley, either he himself, you know, experienced, but also things that he saw. Like, he himself was thrown out of his house when he was 17 for being gay, which happens in this film. But then also, he, like, had a kid at his school that was also gay. And, you know, he had a girl at the school that, like, was pregnant, you know? And, like, these things are things that actually happened to him. Or that he researched as well um, as part of the film. So that's really where it was inspired to, to happen. Now, in terms of actually making the film... One of the things that AFI did back in these days, I don't know if they still do it, but uh, they had like a whole book of plot synopses and like treatments, if you will, for different films from students. And I'm assuming that whatever this script was for Saved was kind of a part of that. And so they would send them out to like managers, agents, you know, trying to get, you know, trying to get some connections made uh, for the students of this program. And so... What ended up happening was um, they tried securing financing for the film and MGM UA ended up coming in, but that kind of fell through at one point before it then got back on track, uh, which is actually where Michael Stipe comes into play. Because I think one of the things about this film is people wonder like, well, why was Michael Stipe a part of it? Because Michael Stipe is from REM, uh, you know, shiny, happy people. And like, it's the end of the world as we know it and all this. So like, you know, all of that. He actually also had a production company as well um, around the early 2000s, and he ended up taking a chance on this movie, which is why uh, they were able to get some financing from him, I think, as well in his company, uh, which is why he is a particular uh, producer on this film. Um, and also Sandy Stern, who apparently is a, a gentleman, I didn't know that, but, uh, he was also really integral in like trying to secure the funding for MGM UA and really trying to make this all happen. Um, very adamant about that because wanted to make it happen really. And, uh, I think a little bit of what happened too was like, they did secure funding and they were literally like about to shoot. I think they were going to do it in Florida at first, right? And then that ended up falling through. So they were able to get the funding back somehow, some way. And then they ended up going to Vancouver to shoot this, which is why this whole movie is done in Vancouver and Canada, of course. So that was really how the filming came to be and how this movie really, you know, that was, that was tough from what he had said. Um, that was kind of a crazy experience. Um, especially for some guy who, you know, he was just getting out of grad school and, and trying to get into the professional world of being a, a film director, you know, and, and, you know, you can only prepare so much of that in school, you know, I think another fun thing is uh, a lot of people do know this, but, uh, the initial casting choice for, uh, Hillary Fay was not Mandy Moore right away. It was actually Anne Hathaway and Hathaway had just really had her big break with, 
the Princess Diaries from Disney, and uh, which also starred Heather Matarazzo and Mandy Moore in it, uh, that are in this film. But then pretty much um, what ended up happening was uh, something fell through with Anne's schedule, and actually they... Uh, she ended up doing Ella Enchanted instead, uh, which I guess makes sense. But then, yeah, Mandy Moore was brought in like three weeks before they started shooting. Um, I think even, I believe he even said when we were talking, Heather Matarazzo might have actually been the one to like share the script with like Mandy Moore because they had just worked together technically. And so, uh, and I just, she was just so good. Like she's the, the perfect villain in this story really um kind of a misunderstood villain in a way but you know especially since she had already kind of played that role in princess diaries and then before that she had played this like really super religious girl you know so i just thought and i walked to remember so like i thought it was really fun and interesting of course you get someone like um you get the other people like you know jenna malone who had been in you know bastard out of carolina and she had been um in i believe she was in stepmom if i'm not mistaken like you know she had already had a little bit of a career as well macaulay culkin obviously was a huge child star um and it was coming back to being an actor. Uh, this was one of his roles that he got to do, um, where he actually was playing a high schooler, where he never really got to play that. Uh, but this was ability for him to do that. And yeah, and you know, they shot it all in Canada, of course. And uh, then it got released. Um, and it was kind of this interesting sleeper hit, quote unquote. I don't think really Brian, from what I understand, doesn't, I don't think he really expected it to like, do as well as he thought it would you know and it it did better than he thought i'm sure and uh i I even asked him i said i was like how did what was it like to kind of be catapulted into hollywood because i think this movie really did do that for him and i think from what he said like he said it was surreal It it was really surreal and you know being able to just like now everyone has their eyes on you and you know you're the guy who did saved and like how do you then I was even asking, like, how do you then differentiate yourself so that you're not just pigeonholed into being the guy who made Saved? Um, he even said, like, you know, it's important to make sure you do your next film, you know, as quick as you can and try to differentiate yourself as well, which he did, I think, you know, he did save, but then he also really made a career for himself doing um, television, which is why he's done quite a bit of television now. Um, so I thought that was really interesting as well. He also does delve a little bit deeper into another podcast about how he did have some struggles with some addiction stuff going on um, after he had done Saved, uh, and he was kind of dealing with that, um, and he's he's since been able to, you know, uh, deal with those demons and deal with those those issues, but... Uh, yeah, go go find that an interview he did. Um, I don't remember what show it was for, but uh, he did share about that, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I, I watched it before we actually talked. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, but it's cool to hear that this was just it really was a surreal experience because, you know, I'm sure it is like you're some guy who, you know, came from a whole other coast of the U.S. to go pursue this dream of being a director. And then you're catapulted into this, like, weird world of entertainment and being an actor, director, whatever. Um, and how do you navigate that as, like, 
a guy in your 30s, you know, <laughs> who's just getting out of grad school and just trying to work. Um, so it was interesting to talk to him about that and, and being able to just, you know, uh, yeah, just ha- get his insight on it. In regards to how the legacy of this film has been, you know, I, I asked him the question of, you know, when you made this movie and you got it released and everything, you know, what did you want the legacy to be of this movie? Like, what did you think you were making and, and what did you want it to, to say? And how do you feel like the legacy has actually been in this for this movie, you know? And his response to that was, you know, Really, he was looking to make a film about extremism, which I do think he did. Like, I think he's definitely commenting on just the extremism of religion and how this community can really be sometimes. And, you know, he wanted to comment on that. That was like his goal, which I think he did accomplish. And since then, I think he has really been able to, he, he was telling me, you know, like, it's so crazy that like people will send him like, you know, links to like, you know, uh, like the top 50 best teen films or like, you know, like best dark comedy teen films or something. And like saved is on those. Um, it's had this own life that I don't even really think he expected at all. You know, this movie actually, uh, ended up getting a, a staged musical, um, reading, uh, at Playwrights Horizon, which is really cool in New York. Uh, and so I don't think he would have expected that it would have turned into anything like a musical, you know, um, even though I mean, there's a little bit of singing in there, but you know, it's, that's really cool to like this movie has had a life of its own. Um, and I don't think it, I, from what I had, from what I gathered from our conversation, I don't think he expected it to have this life, but I'm sure he's glad it, it exists. Uh, I really do think that, and I think he would also agree with this, that, I mean, saved is really what, you know, it's probably his most long lasting work. Really. It's what people will remember him for in a way. And I was even saying to him, you know, like, I myself am somebody who isn't really, wasn't really raised religious or am myself religious at all or anything. But I know that there are a lot of people who, who saw this movie and they really, yeah, they, they connected with it because they could understand it. And I think that's the reason you get into this kind of field, whether you're an actor or a director or a writer, you want to try to connect with the people who, who consume your work. And so I think he absolutely did that. You know, I, I know that I, I had, um, before I did my interview with him, I had somebody reach out and say, Hey, you know, like, um, <laughs> if you've just mentioned to him, like, you know, that movie really like was a huge, you know, it helped me accept myself, you know, and, and, uh, I just thought it was so nice to, to hear that from somebody. And, you know, I'm sure he hears that all the time. I'm sure Brian hears that all the time where people connected with that movie. Um, especially now when you're, like I said, when you're in your thirties, you got catapulted into Hollywood. Now you have everyone who knows who you are kind of, because you did this like independent movie with like Manny Moore and Macaulay Culkin. And now people can just criticize you a bunch. People could say like, this movie is great. You did a great job. There's people who are like, this movie sucks. You did a horrible job. And and it all kind of comes along with the territory, but like, you know, it's so cool that, you know, 
he's now had this experience to be able to carve a career out for himself. And, and I think that's awesome, you know, and you take the good and you take the bad, you know, but it's, it's all worked out, which is good. He then ended up going on to make Struck by Lightning with Chris Colfer in it. And then ended up going on to do TV episodes of Awkward. He did Weeds. Oh God. What else? Scream the TV series. Oh gosh. What else? In the Dark. The Queerest Folk reboot on Peacock. A couple different things like that. So he's been able to keep himself working as a director and, and all that. I will also say from my conversation with him, um, I'm not spilling too many, too much tea on this pod today, but, uh, we did talk a little bit about how he is actively working and developing, um, a sequel to Saved. So, um, he and the writing partner, Michael Durbin, they are, they are actively trying to make this happen, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm spilling anything too crazy, but like, you know, uh, they want to know, like, what is it? Where are these, where are these people now? You know, and they have a fairly good idea about how they want each one of these people to like, how they wanted their futures to look, you know? <laughs> um, and they would love to get everyone back, of course. And I think, I think generally, depending on, I guess, you know, people's schedules and, and just the, the life of, you know, trying to get actors to be in your movie. Um, I'm sure that there are people who would come back for that. Um, I mean, these are, this movie is definitely a, a seminal part of someone like a Jenna Malone or a Mandy Moore or a Macaulay Culkin, like where I'd be like, Oh my God, they should totally come back for it because it would be iconic, you know? So I don't know. I, I would say if anything, be on the lookout for that. Like that could be something really cool. And, uh, even though I, I even told him, I said, I was like, yeah, I guess people would maybe be like, you know, huh, it's like 20 something years later if they did that. But yeah, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. And I also think like it's a different generation, you know, I mean, Saved came out in 2004. These characters, if we're doing this in the next few years or if they get it made in the next few years, these people are now in like their early to mid forties and like Mary would have like a 20 something year old by this point, which is horrifying to think about, but it's true. So like, you know, it's a different kind of generation too. And, and being able to maybe also talk about religion and what we think of it nowadays. And, and it's a different climate for sure, but I definitely think it would be a really cool, I don't know, it'd be a cool continuation to do it. And I think if you got the right people together and, and made it happen, I, I would absolutely be into that. So more than, ugh, I'd be so down for that. But yeah, but, uh, I think that's everything I can think of right now, but I definitely wanted to, uh, you know, if Brian, uh, Danley listens to this, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really do appreciate it. Um, and I want to make sure people know about this movie. Um, obviously if you're listening to this, um, if as a listener, you must know about the movie, of course, but, uh, I definitely want to bring light to this film because I, I think it's a really fun one. And, and I even said to him, and I'm, I'm glad I got to tell him, I, I told him this. I said, I was like, in my personal opinion, I think this movie got a little overshadowed by Mean Girls, unfortunately, because of the way it came out. But I do think that like this film in particular is one that is absolutely you know, in that pantheon of teen movies, you know, to me, it is in that same vein of like a, a, uh, a can't hardly wait, a jawbreaker, uh, 10 things I hate about you, whatever. You know, I do think that like, 
and something even like Mean Girls. Like to me, I'm like it. It is firmly in there. I still think it's a good film, uh, for what it is. You know, uh, for a more independent type movie. I was thinking of that too. You know, something like a Mean Girls had people from SNL in it and had money behind it and had friggin' like uh Mark Waters behind it who came from the Waters, you know, brothers. So like, you know, obviously like because of that, like it maybe did better or whatever, but like saved also, I think it made its money back. It was kind of this indie hit. And I do think it was successful with what it did. Um and I also think it was super cool too as well. I was talking to Brian a little bit about this too, you know, that I, I said to him, I said, I was like, I thought it was really cool that you as a queer out guy at the time making a movie like this, like that's a huge, I give kudos on that because, you know, not, it wasn't always happening. And, and even in 2004, like it was a different time. And so, you know, I gave him his kudos for that for sure. And it was interesting because he did say something about that too, where he was like, it, he, he felt it was odd that that was a point that was out there a bunch that he was like this out gay director of this film. Uh, not that he was like super perturbed by it, I guess, but more so just like, you know, he just thought it was like so weird that like that was just out there everywhere. Um, which that happens, you know, and, and, um, we've now gotten to a point where, you know, we do have more filmmakers who are, who are queer and out there and who are, are repping the, repping the queer community, of course. But like, yeah, at the time in 2004, like, I think it was, seems just, it was a product of that time, really, um, to be like, oh, this like out gay director is making this like edgy movie. Uh, you know, that's just what happened, but. But I had a great conversation with him. I'm, I'm so happy I got to talk to him as well. And, uh, and yeah, I think that's everything I can think of right now. But I guess without further ado, everybody, we're now going to move into a plot summary of Saved. So we begin our film with our United Artists uh, intro, and then we have a nice little cover of the song God Only Knows from the Beach Boys, uh, but is sung by one of our characters in the movie, Mandy Moore. And we see this title sequence that's like in the clouds as we hear the song, where we get our intro to the... Uh, movie saved and we see all of our like nice little actors and their names and everything and i actually think this is a nice little cover of this song i like the original song from the beach boys but i also enjoy mandy moore's version of it um i just think it's a nice little thing you hear at the beginning of the movie you hear at the end of the movie uh and actually if you didn't already know this michael stipe who helped produce this movie is from rem and he's also on the song too so definitely look it up if you haven't ever heard it i think it's personally a really good song anyway at the end of our intro after we're out of the clouds we come in on our main character mary played by jenna malone and we find out that you know it's been being saved has always been a part of her life you know she was baptized at a young age and we then find out her her dad died at a young age and like even her her mom's told her like there was a reason that like her father you know died and all that and there was a reason it was in God's plan you then see like that uh when Mary was a little younger she like almost walked out in front of a car i think it was and her mom had to pull her back to like not kill herself pretty much but then we get introduced to uh Roland played by Macaulay Culkin in his like pretty much 
role after Home Alone, I guess, or Richie Rich or whatever. Um, he had done this, uh, film. Actually, he did Party Monster before this, but this is like one of his big roles he did where he actually played a high schooler. Um, he was not, I don't think, in high school at the time. I think he was a little older than that, but we get to see him and that's so crazy because this is honestly, I think his last film role, um, that he's really ever done, except he was in like American Horror Story and stuff. But, but yeah, I think that's great. But then we also get introduced to Hillary Faye. So Roland and Hillary Faye are brother and sister, uh, played by the one and only Mandy Moore. I will say this right here, right now. So I was watching this with my sister a couple days ago because I had to introduce her to it, of course. And when she saw Mandy Moore's hair, she was like, Oh no. Oh, this is bad. Oh, I hate her hair. And that's a definitely a criticism I've heard a bunch of times. We see that they're on top of this, uh, like genie lift, um, painting this, like, it's not a billboard, but it's like a, uh, it's a Jesus pretty much. And of course, like Roland says something about, I don't think he's supposed to be white. And of course, like Hillary Faye is like, of course he's white. God, you know, he, she says some 2004 shit, um, with the R word. But anyway, we get introduced to these two characters. We see that they're friends. And, um, then we're introduced to the Christian Jewels, which is like this group in the Christian school of American Eagle Christian High School, which I think is a really funny name. And the Christian Jewels are kind of like this select group of girls, uh, who are a part of this. So we have, like I said, Hillary Faye, Mary, and uh, another character we have as well, Veronica. We get introduced to Veronica, who's played by Elizabeth Ty. She's one of the Christian jewels. And again, they're these like group of girls who, you know, they're like kind of the sort of popular ones, if you will, if you want to talk about that. Um, we see that, uh, they are doing like, <laughs> what is it? It was like trying to get money for the school or something. And then they're like boycotting abortions at Planned Parenthood. Cause of course they would be. And so we see that. But then we also get intro to Dean and Mary as boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, Dean is played by Chad Faust, uh, who then went on to be in the movie Tamara with Jenna Dewan, um, and, and other movies as well. He hasn't done a ton of stuff since then, but, you know, he plays Dean in this movie, and you see that they're boyfriend and girlfriend. We then see that, uh, they have this tradition of telling secrets underwater, apparently, because you hear this voiceover of, um, Mary saying, like, you know, I was about to be a senior at, you know, American Christian American Eagle Christian High School um and then 2 weeks before you know 2 weeks before the beginning of the school year my life would change and uh telling secrets underwater like we said um and so they have this like tradition and pretty much while they have their secrets underwater Dean decides to tell Mary that he is gay and of course she's like gay like what huh so she's taken aback by this, of course, and she actually, so he goes up to the surface and then she's swimming up to the surface, but she hits her head on like a metal pole or something within the pool. And we see that Dean sees her, right? She, she he sees her and then she's like pretty much good to fucking drown pretty much. And, uh, there's a guy in the background who's a pool boy, I guess. And he is, uh, diving into the pool. He has long hair. He's like a nice body and all this. And of course, because Mary is, is religious at this point, she thinks that she's being saved by Jesus and Jesus is giving her a message, which he's not, but, and he's not saving her. It's some guy who looks like him. But anyway, that just shows the satire of this movie. 
And then we have the intro to, uh, so after she finds out this, this devastating news, um, we get introduced to her mother, who is played by Mary Louise Parker. Her character's name is Lillian Cummings. And so we then also get introduced to Pastor Skip, who's played by Martin Donovan, who, uh, they are, her mom and Pastor Skip are at like a leadership conference or something. And so, cause she has like the, like ice pack on her head being it was just a little bump don't worry about it and then also like um in the middle of this we see that uh mary is looking up gay on ask jeeves which i think is really funny and she just comes across this like mr rams a lot or something like that like leather gay website which i think is really fun and of course very 2004 but anyway so then we see that uh you know mary's just like how could dean be gay like he's an athlete who he's an athlete who constantly is you know uh pushing himself and striving to be better and we find out that dean is like a star figure skater apparently so i'm just like this is so silly and really funny obviously uh we then see a weird lover's lane type thing where you think like okay everyone's like getting it on at this like lover's lane or whatever um but then they actually aren't necessarily they're just like sitting in uh one of their cars i guess because i don't know if mary has a car i think maybe maybe dean has one she just says you just have to trust me and she decides she's gonna try and like de-gayify you know dean and so she like has him like feel her up and like she's just trying to like find out what else she can do to like de-gay him pretty much and so then we see that you know some of these things are happening but they're not working really and so then we uh cut to a fun scene where hillary faye roland and mary are all at the gun range and they're just talking you know about this and i don't know if anybody really knows quite yet they don't know that he's gay quite yet i don't think yeah i don't think that they know yet quite yet uh, but they talk about, like, should I, like, maybe, you know, maybe lose my virginity to him? Like, it's just not really working. And so Hillary Faye is talking to, um, Mary about, you know, I, I'm, I'm waiting until marriage and if I, something by force or whatever, if necessary. And then Roland's just in the background in his wheelchair. I love him. He's an icon. And they're at the gun range, though. It gives me very Drop Dead Gorgeous vibes a little bit with um Becky Lehman, of course. Love. But anyway, so they're at the gun range. We see that, like, Hillary Faye is pretty much Becky Lehman with, like, a fucking gun. And uh, we then see that Mary, like, is able to actually, like, I think, I think she shoots the target in the dick or something like that, which I think is really fun. We then see that Dean is at his home. He is looking at gay porn, a honcho magazine. And I don't know if you noticed this, but he actually has a boner because he was looking at gay porn. And then Mary comes into his room and she decides to... Uh, go about having sex with Dean and losing her virginity to him. And so you see that they're like, uh, having sex as, as you do. Um, and again, it's so funny to me that like he just was looking at gay porn and that's the reason he had a boner, which is why he was able to fuck her. So, um, it's just like a fun little thing you miss, but you see like the, the you know, bed rocking and like the, um, his like, um, I guess his figure skating like medals or whatever are kind of rocking too. And then of course she's like, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But we're going to get into that in a little bit. We then have the next scene where uh, Hillary Faye is in the van. She's driving with Roland, and she's picking up the uh, 
jewels from, you know, to go to school. So she picks up Mary first. She gives her a little pin with Christian jewels on it. And then we drive over to Veronica's house, played by Elizabeth Ty. And she is, apparently she was adopted by a black family, like a black mom and dad. And when she was in, um, I think it was Singapore or Cambodia or one of those places that she was adopted from. And she also gets her little jewels, um, pin that she wears. And that's like really nice or whatever. So they're also going to be picking up Dean soon too, but we find out that Dean actually got found out by his parents because he had a, he had his honcho magazine and stuff and he got sent to a place called Mercy House. And then it was important for maybe them to know about this. So I believe that, you know, this is something definitely where we find out about Mercy House and we find out that it's for, you know, people who are going through drug addiction, who are going through degayification, like all this kind of stuff, right? Um, and I do think it's interesting to have this kind of thing in a, in this particular movie, uh, just because, I mean, that is a real thing that, you know, and we find out a little bit later in the movie, too, but, like, you know, it seems like a lot of the times when something doesn't fit right into um, what somebody thinks is a perfect Christian life or or what you believe God wants you to be or whatever it is, you have to kind of, like, tamp it down. You have to try to normalize it and assimilate it in a way um so i just think that's really interesting because yeah i mean there are places like this i mean i covered friggin uh but i'm a cheerleader a couple weeks ago and that's making fun of just the ridiculousness of conversion therapy you know and and those kinds of places but that's a real thing for people you know they think like oh we could just send this person away and like just they could be they could be better now and whatever. And again, depending on what it is, I mean, rehabs can work for people who are dealing with drug addiction, you know, psychiatric facilities can work for people who are dealing with severe mental health issues and, and stuff like that. But I mean, some of this stuff is just so crazy, <laughs> like, you know, and, and the fact that there's a mercy house where like, even just the name mercy house is like kind of like, Oh, we'll have mercy on these poor souls. Um, so yeah, I, I just think that's also kind of digging into that a little bit and, and talking about like, you know, how, okay, this whole fucking place apparently is, you know, just for the, the people who are dealing with those, those horrible sins, horrible, horrible sins. Moving on though, we do arrive at school, um, at American Eagle Christian High School. So, uh, of course, Hillary Faye, like, parks her car in the handicap section because she has a handicap placard. And then we get our introduce- introduction to Cassandra Edelstein, played by Eva Amori, who is, uh, Susan Sarandon's daughter. And, uh, <laughs> of course, she's like, I love her car, by the way. It's like this purple fucking car. It's so cute. And, uh, she like dumps her ashtray out onto like the parking lot and she's like smoking. And then Hillary Faye goes up to her and is all like, hi, Cassandra. And she's like coughing, you know, she's like, you know, smoking isn't just bad for you. It's bad for everybody. Secondhand smoke kills. And she's like, I'm counting on it. And she's like, flicks her cigarette at her. It's so funny. Love it. It's so stupid. But anyway, we then have a homeroom at American Eagle, uh, where we have our introduction to Tia, played by the one and only 
Heather Matarazzo from Welcome to the Dollhouse and Adventures of Pete and Pete and Hostel 2 and like Scream 3 and all this shit. I love you, Heather Matarazzo. I really hope you listen. But, and I hope you're doing okay. I really love you and I love you so much. But anyway, so <laughs> we have our introduction to Tia, who you can tell is a little bit of an outcast in the movie. That's what Heather Matarazzo plays perfectly. We see that like she's saying that she thought she saw Jesus in her fish tank and like the fish all died. But but like if you saw want to come over or whatever on the weekend and then Mandy Moore is just like, Oh, thanks Tia. You know, we'll talk after class. Um, and she's just so sweet and wonderful. And I love her. Um, Tia, we'll, we'll talk about Tia a little bit later too, but then we get our introduction to when class starts, we have our introduction to Patrick played by, uh, oh, I don't know. Patrick Fugit. Um, fun that he has the same name as his, his actor character. He's from, uh, Almost Famous. He's the kid who is in there. Um, I actually watched that a couple months ago. It's a great movie. Go watch it. Kay Hudson's great in it. And so you have Introduction to Patrick, who we find out is Pastor Skip's son. He was on uh, missionary work with like a skateboarding like missionary or something um, that he was doing for that. But then we also have a scene after this uh, homeroom where they talk about what they did over their summers or whatever. Uh, we do have this scene with Roland and Cassandra. Roland's outside in his wheelchair and Cassandra's also out there. While in the meantime, uh, Assembly is getting started. So Assembly is kind of like, I guess what we would think of with Mass or whatever. I didn't go to religious school, so I don't fucking know. But uh, this is where everyone assembles in like the auditorium or wherever and and uh, they are praising God. So we hear that Mandy is singing. Fucking Hillary Faye. Hell yeah. You already know they had to put her in here singing, obviously. Like, we already heard her sing in the beginning as Mandy Moore. And, of course, Hillary Faye has to sing because you have fucking, you know, Mandy Moore as your character. Which, fun little fact, um, if you didn't already know this... Um, Mandy Moore came into this three weeks before shooting because initially Hillary Fay was supposed to be played by Anne Hathaway and then she ended up doing Ella Enchanted instead. But, uh, Anne Hathaway probably could have done it, but I think also Mandy Moore is perfect in this movie. Um, so I love her so much. And so you get a little bit also of like, <laughs> you also get a little bit of Cassandra and Roland outside. You know, they're talking about like, they're kind of flirting a little bit. Uh, we find out how Roland was paralyzed where he fell out of a tree when he was nine. Hillary Faye found him. And, um, uh, Cassandra makes some remark about like the smart thing would be if you didn't fall out of the tree at all. And she's just like, sorry. And then they um, go back inside um, and we see that Roland was staring at Cassandra's ass. And she even says, like, if you stare at my ass again, I'll push you off a cliff. And so then they go back into assembly, as you do. What I love about this, we come back to uh, Hillary Faye singing. Um, and so then, like, uh, Mary is on, like, the piano. And then, like, Veronica's doing something. But anyway, we come back. And I just put my notes, such enthusiastic hand swaying. Because I love how everyone in this movie is just swaying their hands <laughs> so enthusiastically, but not at all. It's so funny. And I'm just like, oh, it's so good. We see. Pastor Skip then comes in after the singing happens and of course like um he like <laughs> he like front flips in which is obviously not him everyone's coming back after a new school after the summer and everything he gives off like I put in my notes he gives off I'm a cool dad vibes like kind of like you know I'm a cool mom you know from from Mean Girls 
Uh, and then he gives off, like, I'm a cool dad kind of vibes in a way. And then also when he says the whole thing with Jesus rules, where he goes, Jesus rules, Jesus rules. It just made me cringe for some reason. I didn't like that. But anyway, it's fine. It's kind of part of the movie. But anyway, so, um, then everyone is praying their respective prayers, you know, so like we hear Hillary Face prayers and then we hear Veronica's prayers. I remember Tia's prayers where she says, you know, I know, uh, you haven't stopped daddy from drinking, but you know, you're working on it. And I really want to be a jewel this year and all that. Then we hear Mary's, um, we also hear, we hear Mary's, but we also hear Cassandra and Roland's. Cassandra's like, I wonder if, uh, Wheelchair Boy is like paralyzed everywhere below the waist. And then of course, like Roland says, oh yeah, she digs me. <laughs> and then also we hear, um, Mary's respective prayer as well. So we also have the students all coming down, um, to get like graced or to, I don't know, have Pastor Skip, like, give them grace or whatever. I don't even fucking know what he actually is doing, but he's having students come down there. And then in the meantime, while that's happening, we also see that while they're getting blessed or whatever they are, um, we have that uh, Cassandra starts speaking in tongues, um, tongues, quote unquote, which are really just fake tongues where she is just, like, you know, speaking in this, like, and then she just starts saying, like, and all this and it really is translating to i have a hot pussy i guess but of course it's pg-13 so you can't say that but i can and anyway so um <laughs> but then like hillary Faye's just like she's saying she has a hot and then of course that's like cut away um i really do wonder how this movie like if it would have been an r rating what they could have done but you know whatever it happens but uh then we see that the jewels um and the boys, so they're boy I guess. I, I'm trying to think if Patrick is there. I think Patrick is there, actually. Um, they're at the mall. I believe they're at the mall because then we find Tia has another fucking job. So she works at the mall, apparently. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess Roland's there, too. I totally forgot about that. Sorry. Um, but anyway, like, the jewels are there, and then Tia's working at the mall, and then um, Roland's there, and then um, we see Cassandra coming up, and then we also see Patrick, I think, is there, too. But uh, they're all hanging out at the mall, apparently, and uh, <laughs> Hillary faces something. Well, something's going on because I think fucking, like, Cassandra's, like, drunk or something at the mall. And so she's, like, making an ass out of herself with her little whale tail she has. I had to explain what to my sister what a whale tail was. So if you don't know what a whale tail is, it's that thing. It's the ma- it's the Manny from Degrassi thing where, like, you have your thong, like, Right where you can, like, see that shit and your low-rise jeans. Oh, God. 2004 was a time. But anyway, so she has that all out and whatever. I do love how Roland is there. And he's just, like, trying to, like, grab, like, a mozzarella stick or something. And he ends up, like, uh, knocking something over. And then, like, Hillary Face says something about, like, you know, God, you smell like Tia's dad or something. Which is just so rude because she's right there. But then we see that Cassandra is let out... I guess by Patrick and someone else, I think, um, to get her home and all that because she's just like crazy. And then we get into gym class where we see Patrick is running. We see that the girls are stretching. So like, I believe it's Hillary Faye and Mary are like together. And then, uh, or no, wait, it might be Cassandra's behind one of them. She's behind Hillary Faye. She says, I could see your pad. 
it's right there. We then go from gym class where like, you know, Mary looks at Patrick and she's just like, hmm, I think I like him. Uh, we then see Mary vomiting in her, I think it's, we're at her house. So she's vomiting and that's when we're like, oh, I wonder what that's all about. And then we see that uh, there's a sex ed class that is now being offered, you know, <laughs> begrudgingly they did. And of course, they don't do much except for just the Coach Carr fucking the explanation that Coach Carr gives in Mean Girls, where it's just like, don't have sex, because if you have sex, you get pregnant and die. Uh, but they, of course, Pastor Skip doesn't really want to talk very much about sex, because that's just not in his, you know, foresight. We then see Mary and her mother watching uh, TV. So they're watching watching this like christian version of fucking jeopardy or some shit that it's on i just i'm so fascinated by it and we see that mary's mom is like trying to answer the questions but she's getting each one of them wrong and then we also um <laughs> we get that but then we also get <laughs> they end up going on lifetime which i love this like weird lifetime thing they have where they have this like valerie bertinelli movie because valerie bertinelli was a big deal back then I guess. And she has this like weird fake lifetime movie about her having cancer or whatever. And like, you see that they like cancered out fucking like Valerie Bertinelli making her look like she has cancer and shit. And so I was like, this is so ridiculous. Like what is going on here? Uh, but it was kind of iconic though. I'm kind of into it. But anyway, so um, we have all that going on. Um, and then I believe we have, yeah, Tia has like two jobs or something. And Tia's just being an icon and I love her. We then realize that Mary, I believe, is starting to realize that she might be pregnant because in the Valerie Bertinelli movie, they say something about like a blood test or something, some shit. And she's like, she found out she had cancer all through that. Because they thought she may be pregnant, but she actually wasn't pregnant. But then that kind of gives Mary this idea of like, oh, maybe I might, maybe I might be. Oh, shit. So then we have that going on. Then we also have, oh, because back when the Christian Jewels were about to pick up uh Dean before they went to school, Mary tells them that uh he is a gay and, um, of course, they have to keep it hush-hush and everything like that. Totally forgot about that. But anyway, so, you know, she thinks she might be pregnant. Again, Tia has, like, two jobs because then what ends up happening after, uh, you know, Mary comes to this realization she very well might be pregnant, she goes to the, the drugstore because we already saw that Tia worked at the mall. Now we see that she works at the fucking drugstore and she's like two cars. She's saving up for a car. So like when she gets a car, she can like come pick you up and stuff. You know, I would let her pick me up. Absolutely. I love Tia. But anyway, so, uh, <laughs> we see that like, Mary has swiped like, uh, some pregnancy tests. She's like biking back to her fucking, um, <laughs> her house and she's like, please let it be cancer. Please let it be cancer. And she's just like, okay, what the hell is going on here? But anyway, so then she takes the pregnancy test. She's hiding it, of course, from everybody. And she finds out that this ego is prego pretty much. So she calls like, so she calls like, I guess Planned Parenthood, um, because she talks about like the test did say something about maybe having a false positive. Um, but then she's pretty much making an appointment to generally, I guess either she herself isn't going to get, I guess get an abortion or whatever. Obviously she's not. Cause she was like boycotting abortions earlier, but 
she goes to Planned Parenthood because I think what she's doing is she's actually getting like the literal, she took her pregnancy test. And I think what she was doing, if I'm not mistaken, was she was then going to get like the blood pregnancy test or whatever to really show that she's pregnant uh, because she already got her answer from taking the home pregnancy test. Then we see that, oh, we see that uh, we have a prayer circle going on because this was the one line of Tia's that I kind of like uh, where it's the next day at school. So she already knows. So Jen, uh, so Mary already knows that she's pregnant, but of course now she gets this flyer from Tia where she says, sorry to hear about Dean's faggotry. See at peace circle. Um, and we see that Hillary Faye is deciding she wants to do a prayer circle for Dean, who has recently, you know, um, been outed as a homosexual, uh, which obviously doesn't fucking help that Hillary Faye is putting all this shit around. That doesn't help either. And Mary is pissed at her. She's really upset at her and not very happy with it. Yeah, not very happy with it at all. So anyway, so she's just pissed at her. She says something to Hillary Faye about it. But of course, Hillary Faye is just like, you know, but we're still going to do it. Blah, blah, blah. Then we see that Cassandra and Roland are on a date. So this is them. Like, I think Cassandra was in her car. Then Roland like rolls up to her car and says, nowhere a boy can find some smokes. And so they like go down um, to have a little date in downtown Baltimore, I guess, is where they're at because they're in Baltimore. It's all set in Maryland. And so they have a date. They're getting to kind of know one another. He plays wheelies with her because, you know, he's kind of interested in all of that. And so we see all this kind of going on. We see that they're on their date. We see that they're getting to know each other and they're really flirting and you really see the chemistry between them, which I think is great. But then we see that they have found that uh, fucking Mary is, well, I like my one note I have in a minute, but like we see that Mary has went to Planned Parenthood to find out that she's legit pregnant. And so we see that Cassandra and Roland see her there and they say something about like, oh my God, is that Mary? Like, and they, cause she's trying to be inconspicuous about it. And so like, there's only one reason that Christian Jewel would be going down there to like plant a pipe bomb. Be like, I don't think that's what she's doing, Roland. Um, I'd be more surprised by the pipe bomb. Uh, but they pretty much see that she went to Planned Parenthood and obviously she went there for kind of one express reason only. Uh, but I would also like to say, I mean, listen, like Brian Danley, I love you, but I will say, and of course, because this movie is set in Maryland, I myself am in Maryland, absolutely inaccurate, uh, downtown Baltimore and also the bus system because we see that Mary takes the bus, uh, back to her suburb area, but like literally, this um this downtown Baltimore setup they have doesn't look like downtown Baltimore really at all. This bus is not what the MTA looks like. Um, I wish it looked this nice when I was taking the bus back in the day. But oh my god, so funny. But um obviously this movie was not shot in Maryland at all. Brian Danley himself is from Maryland, so of course he based it here. But um, this was all shot in Canada, of course. I'm very surprised, although not that surprised, because she would have been, like, 22 at this point. But it could still have worked. I would have loved Catherine Isbell in this movie, but whatever. You already know I'm a Catherine Isbell stan. But anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, we then see that when Mary goes home and she's like on her way home back from the bus, she gets off the bus. She looks up at a cross and she just like 
because she's found out she's pregnant and everything now. Like, she just, like, looks at this cross and she just says the three following words where you see this aerial shot that's, like, coming in on her. And it just says, shit. And then she says, fuck. And then she ends it with, god damn. And I love it. And it's really fun. Then we're at prayer circle at seven o'clock at Hillary Faye's. Everyone's there fucking praying for Dean for being a faggot and everything. Now, God, Jesus. But anyway, so then we see that Patrick is there. Um, cause he actually, well, we'll get to why he's there, but he's there. Tia is there. A couple different people. Veronica, of course, is there. All of that. Um, when I looked at Mandy's hair, or when I looked at, um, Hillary Faye's hair in this, in this, I just was like, I wrote my notes. I hate Hillary Faye's hair in this prayer circle. <laughs> I just didn't like it, but it's kind of perfect for the character though. But God, it's just a mullet. It's so fabulous. But anyway, we see that Mary has come to prayer circle because of course she's just like pissed and she's just like, Oh my God, what are you even doing? Like, who gives a shit, Hillary Faye? So she's yelling at Hillary Faye, and she's just having like pretty much a breakdown at this point because she again she found out she's pregnant, and all this is going on. And so then Hillary Faye is uh, has her give back her pin that she gave her earlier, and she's just like, "You can't be a Christian jewel anymore." And this is where Mary is now just having. I guess you could say, I don't even know if it's a crisis of faith anymore. I think it's more like just this, she has this complete and utter realization of just, you know what? This is all a bunch of BS. Like she's really gotten to that point where she's just like, this is the, no, I hope you know that this is all for nothing kind of a thing. Like she's just so over all of it um, because of what she's been going through and what's been happening with her. We see that uh, Mary then comes back home um, because she's just leaving prayer circle. So then um, her mom is dyeing her own hair and she says, oh, I just got the phone with Hillary Faye. Well, she could be a little uppity hooty hoo, which I thought was really fun. We see that, like, I think this is also the scene where they have uh, where her mom talks about like so because mary asks something about like you know why do you think they sent dean to mercy house um and her mom says like maybe they just didn't think they could deal with it very much i mean you can your kid's like a car like you can you know get a car wash you can get your oil changed and all that but if the carburetor grows up like i wouldn't know the first thing to do how to fix it um and so she pretty much compares her child to a car so that's when mary's just like "Mm, you know what i'm not gonna tell uh i'm not gonna tell my mom that i'm pregnant i guess right now then mary and dean are talking on the phone while he is at uh mercy house we see that it's around halloween time now uh i'll get into that in a minute but like we see that it's halloween now and so they're doing a christian haunted house at uh, mercy house apparently and this is also where we get the introduction to a gentleman by the name of uh mitch who's a fellow resident of mercy house uh who's played by ket turton who if you don't know um is actually the gay gothic teenager in the movie gypsy 83 with sarah rue which i watched like a couple months ago off of the recommendation of movies that made us gay. Hey. Um, and I 
That movie is so weird. It's on Tubi, and you should go watch it. It's fantastic, kind of. Um, you get to see Sarah Rue's, like, huge boobs in it, and you also get to see uh, this kid, Ket Turton, um, this teenager, and another guy just, like, grind up on each other. So there you go. There's my little thing for Gypsy 83. But anyway, we then have... Um, so Mary's doing some soul searching because everyone's coming to school on Halloween, which I think is interesting because I'm just like, so they're going to celebrate Halloween even though they're kind of Christian and like conservative or whatever, but okay, whatever. Um, and so we see that like Hillary Faye is, I, um, she's an angel. And so we see that T is now in the jewels because Mary's out. And so they're dressed up as like angels or whatever. I also love Tia's hair as well. Her hair is like kind of fabulous actually. And, um, we see that Patrick is there. He has his little alien glasses on. I think also, I believe Mary has them too. And then also like, uh, <laughs> Cassandra's a witch and then, uh, Roland's a roller skate, which I thought was really clever. But Mary's doing some soul searching. Um, she's trying to figure out, like, okay, if she doesn't really believe much in God now, what is she, is she to believe? So she's like doing something with crystals, which is really funny. And Cassie, uh, or Cassandra, however you want to call her, she confronts Mary about what's going on, but she doesn't actually confront her quite, quite yet. I don't believe at least. Um, so yeah, Cassie confronts Mary and then. The next scene we have after um, Cassandra confronts Mary and everything about what's going on, Pastor Skip then asks the jewels to keep an eye on Mary. And this is where Tia has the line of, um, <laughs> you mean like shooter, right? <laughs> Be like, no, something a little less gangsta, which of course, 2004, obviously. But then we see that, <laughs> so like, you know, they need somebody who's strong in their faith to like help bring Mary back to the side because you, you know, Pastor Skip is seeing that she's kind of struggling a little bit. And this is the scene where we get in the movie, which is kind of the most iconic one where, uh, Hillary Faye decides to take it upon herself for her and the jewels to go and, uh, pretty much kidnap Mary, I guess. And she kidnaps Mary pretty much like and attempts to do an exorcism on her. And I think this is such a funny scene because it's so ridiculous, but it's also the tubular bells in the background. Like that, if you don't know what tubular bells is, that um, theme that plays during this is the theme from the exorcist that opens the movie. Um, so just the fact that they're doing an exorcism in this movie, that's a satire and they're using tubular bells. I just think it's very clever. And I think it's very funny. We then see that like, um, this is also the line where, you know, um, it's God's will. And, you know, Hillary Faye is just like, so you're not going to accept our exorcism? And then uh, Mary's like, no, I'm not. But you're just, um, don't slide back into, you know, the hellfire. Um, Satan wants you. And then this is where uh, Mary says, you don't know the first thing about love. And she walks away and then Hillary Faye just throws a Bible at her and she just says, I am filled with Christ's love. You're just jealous of my success with the Lord. And then Mary is just like, you know, she says, uh, this is not a weapon, you idiot. And she just like runs away with a shaky cam, which is just like fun. We then see that Mary is walking, trying to walk home and Patrick comes up behind her on his Vespa be like, did Hillary Faye, you know, tell you to come after me? Be like, no, he didn't. I don't know what you're talking about. 
Um, and then he has to reiterate that this is a Vespa. It's not just a scooter. Okay. But he does take her home. He drives her home, which is very nice. And it's very cute. Um, that they, you know, um, they do that and he's able to actually like take her home and that he even says like, he doesn't think that Dean is like broken or anything. She's wondering, well, why were you at prayer circle then? He says, he says, honestly, I thought you would be there. And you know, that's why I wanted to see you. So he drops her off at her house and she, he asks her like, Mary, like, do you want to go out sometime? I'm like totally adorable, you know, and, and he likes her and you see that. And for her, she's just going through a lot because she's motherfucking pregnant, you know, and she can't be doing all that shit right now. And, but you can tell that she obviously likes him as well. So you see that there's that chemistry there in a way. And I just think they have a really nice little, it's not even like a meet cute, but it's more just like, yeah, I just like the way that they have their little relationship going on. Now it's Christmas time, though, y'all. Um, that's one of the things I wanted to say about this film is that this movie moves so quickly. Like, literally, like, one time it's the beginning of the school year, then it's fucking Halloween, then it's fucking Christmas. Like, it's a whole thing, y'all. It's crazy. This is the scene where Mary is feeling kind of sick. She has her little um Christmas sweater on. And so then she says, can I use the bathroom pass? And she like goes to the bathroom and then Cassandra goes after her to confront her in the, um, the bathroom where she knows this is where she then tells her that like, Hey, I saw you with Planned Parenthood. Aren't you, aren't you concerned with people smoking around your baby? Cause she's smoking in the bathroom. And you do see that like after a little bit of, uh, after Cassandra makes her kind of slip up and say, I would never sell my, never mind. Oh gosh. So she knows that she's pregnant now. But the thing is, is that like, Mary even says, she's like, I thought I was helping Dean. It's a pretty stupid thought, isn't it? And you see that Cassandra actually has, because up to this point, Cassandra has been the antagonist of the piece, I guess. And just because she's, she's Jewish, she's like the outsider of this, um, Christian school. You know, she's very much just this like outsider person and, and whatever. Of course, she's, gotten um you know close with roland and you see that they're actually dating now but you see that like she does seem to care about mary and you know i think this came on after having seen her at planned parenthood and knowing what the actual tea is and so now she's able to because mary's going to start showing more and more um and she's hiding it with like her sweater and all that but i see that they get close and they are connecting which i thought was really nice and fun i just think it's like really nice cuz you get to see that like mary kicked got kicked out of the jewel she's been replaced and now she has these three or she has these two now to to be able to be her friends so we see that mary cassie and roland are in um <laughs> they're in Cassie's car and Roland is like in the driver's seat and she's like Roland like what are you doing like like can you even drive and he's like what, what's wrong with you people don't you think I can do anything and then Mary's like wait no it's not that it's like don't you do you even have a license and he's just like no and then they just like drive off and so then they go shopping for some clothes um I think they got um they went to maternity uh, store you find out that later but you see that they go to a maternity store because she needs clothes and you see that uh, roland has stolen her uh, uh hillary faye's credit card to put this stuff on i also like the uh the line of because they're i guess 
Cassandra wants her to shoplift the stuff pretty much. But then, um, I like the line where, you know, years of, years of shoplifting have, you know, taught me to do this, this, and this. Be like, did I tell you about the time that I, um, stole a whole ham from a Piggly Wiggly with only some Daisy Dukes? Uh, I'll say for the record that we do not have Piggly Wigglies in Maryland. We have like Wise and we also have like Giant and stuff, but we don't have Piggly Wigglies. I think that's more of a, southern deeper southern thing i believe but anyway so we don't have those unfortunately but maybe she was living somewhere else who knows but anyway so then you have uh hillary faye and patrick so we see that um they stopped by the mall so cassandra and mary are there eating while (laughs) oh god like uh roland is in the mall with his little sign and he's like doing his little dance like at the food court in his wheelchair to like get some money apparently like to make like a nickel and so they're talking talking we see hillary faye and patrick come up because they're kind of wondering okay why are they together or whatever that's kind of weird we then find out that uh patrick is only just helping hillary faye or no hillary faye's helping patrick actually uh do some last minute christmas shopping and doing some stuff like that because then uh we see that cassandra because we do see that like roland comes back to their table that they're eating at um shows what he's gotten from his little his little dance and then um hillary faye and patrick come up to them And so what they do is that Cassandra and Roland kind of make it so that Hillary Faye is distracted so that Patrick can kind of get away and talk to, to Mary. Um, and this is where Cassie or Cassandra, she is saying like, I really do want to get saved, Hillary Faye. And so then (laughs) Hillary Faye is just like, are you sure? Are you pulling my leg? And then she's like taking it seriously. And she's like, well, I don't have my equipment, but you know, okay, we're going to have to do this, this, this. And of course, like Cassie's just like, she's just like, I do want to be saved. Cause you know, I have such a goddamn dirty mouth and not even counting the sex. Like, are we counting or they can't say oral, of course. Um, cause it's PG 13, but anyway, so we have that, but then Mary and Patrick, they kind of go off on their own. Um, they're talking a little bit about, you know, Oh, what are you doing with Hillary Faye at the mall? And then Patrick kind of, um, takes Mary to the secret part of the mall. It's like an employees only part, uh, where he set up this little thing with Christmas and where they can get away and, um, they can have their little, their little moment together. Um, cause again, you can see that they like each other. Like Patrick really does like Mary and Mary's just kind of confused about everything. And like I said, like he really does like her, but she's just like going through a lot and she's just like not sure how she feels. I guess she knows she likes him, but I think it's just, it's all conflicting right now because of what's going on. Like something happens where with what they're sitting on and like things fall on them. And she's just like, Oh God, like, Oh Jesus. Like I got to get away. Like, you know, you don't want to be with me, Patrick. Like I promise you. And so she like leaves and leaves him um, to just sit there by himself. But then you have that scene going on. I, my notes are kind of all over the place, but then we see that Mary and her mom go to church where they go watch a nativity play. Cause again, it's Christmas. And so, they go and watch that. We hear the voiceover of Mary and she says something about like, you know, am I just the only one who ever wonders if you know, Mary made it all up? Um, referring to, you know, the Virgin Mary and all that, where she somehow became pregnant with just immaculate conception. But anyway, so 
Um, we have that going on. Uh, so we have that little scene where, uh, there's church going on and then boom, bitch, it is Valentine's Day. So now it's February and I'm just like, Jesus, this move, movie moves quick. Um, Mary gets a Valentine's card from Patrick. And then of course, like Hillary Faye gets like chocolates or some shit. Um, <laughs> but she does, cause I think also Mary did want to give a Valentine's Day card to Patrick, but she didn't end up doing it. But Patrick ended up giving one to her, which I thought was very nice. We said, we then, um, see Pastor Skip and Patrick at home together. They're talking about their background, um, of, you know, just their family, like, you know, how, like Patrick talked to his mom over the summer, found out information about like how they kind of broke up and everything. And why didn't you just ask her, you know, why didn't you just divorce her when mom asked and be like, that's not part of God's plan, son. And you see their little bit of like a relationship with pastor Skip and his son. We then see the next scene. We see that um, Lillian, um, Mary's mother and Skip, they go out to dinner. And of course, like, so they are, you know, so they went to this like little leadership conference or whatever earlier in the movie. And this is their first scene since then together. But of course, we see that Mary is, Mary's mom is single. And then of course, like, uh, Pastor Skip is single as well. And I like this scene because I love Mary Louise Parker, of course, but like, I like this scene because Pat, Pastor Skip is all like, you know, He's not oblivious, but like he just wants to keep everything kind of copacetic when really like Lillian just wants to like have a kiss. You know, it's Valentine's Day. Like she just wants Pastor Skip to kiss her for fuck's sake. And pretty much they just like profess each other's love to one another and they get to actually kiss at this dinner, which is very nice. And so I do like this, this scene just because like that is part of what you see as well is that, you know, Mary's mom also wants something. She wants something for herself too. And she likes Pastor Skip and he likes her too. And so they get to kind of tell each other that they love each other and they get to kiss and all that stuff. It's very nice. And then boom, bitch, it was Valentine's Day. Now it is Easter. Okay. So this movie moves so quickly. Um, we then have a scene where apparently it's Jesus Christ superstar because Mary says something about like, you know, how Patrick had to get more involved with school or something. So he's in a production of Jesus Christ superstar where he's playing Jesus, where he's on a cross, um, with like no shirt on. Patrick Fuga had a very nice body at this time. And we see that Veronica and Hillary Faye are in this movie or they're in the play. And then of course, Cassandra says like, now that's what I call being hung on a cross. Which is just like really funny and silly. Uh, I also like how they use the song of Jesus Christ Superstar in this. Uh, fun fact as well. It was really hard to actually get that song or there was going to be a lot of money to get that song or something. So they were like, Oh, we maybe won't use it. Like, blah, blah, blah. and then apparently actually what happened was, uh, somebody who knew Tim Rice, who was like a part of Jesus Christ Superstar and making the music for it or whatever, uh, actually showed this like part or whatever to him to see if they could get the music. And he like really liked it and he let them use it, which is like really cool. So I'm like, because it works really well. I love the, um, the use of music in this movie just throughout, I think is really fun. So then we see that, uh, Oh, Hillary Faye has her past come up. 
So there's this one point where, like, you have this one point where I think that I may be skipping ahead, but, like, we see that Mary says something about, like, how could somebody who is so... Oh, wait, you know what? That's This is what was funny about it, was, like, uh, the jewels and Patrick come up to Mary and Cassandra when they're snapping or whatever, which I thought was so silly and crazy. But anyway, they're all just like snapping in unison, which is really funny. They come up to her and Cassandra or whatever. And Cassandra's of course, like defending Mary. And so we then see, but we see something where Mary says like, how could somebody so beautiful just be so nasty? And that's when Roland says like, well, she wasn't always beautiful. And this is where we find out that at one point, Hillary Faye was actually like fat and she like had braces and stuff and all this kind of shit and be like, Ooh, well maybe we can maybe use this perhaps. Right. This is where we find out about Hillary Faye's past, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we see prom committee. So I think it was something where, um, cause I believe there was a scene maybe before this where Cassandra like says something to Hillary Faye where Hillary Faye recorded it, where he said, stick it up your ass here, something, something, something. And Hillary Faye recorded her and like, you know, rat her out to Pastor Skip or whatever. And Pastor Skip put her on prom committee, prom duty or whatever. Um, so this is where Patrick actually asks Mary to prom because they're like helping with the fucking prom or whatever the hell. And so, but Patrick really does want to go with Mary and she says she wants to go as friends, like maybe whatever, perhaps that'd be fine. But during this period, because Cassandra's on, you know, prom duty, um, she's trying to like hang a flyer or some shit. But in the meantime, though, the photos that they took of Hillary Faye from her past, Roland's doing something to like try to, you know, do a little something, something with it. And we see that oh, also during this time, though, Hillary Faye ends up getting a phone call. I think it's after Cassandra like up and quits or whatever, but she does get a phone call. So Hillary Faye gets a phone call from somebody because we heard earlier about Godflight. We heard when they were on their way to school about this um, band called Godflight who are just so gorgeous and so godlike and like so god centric or whatever. Um, and so then, but they got, uh, she gets a call and she, was able to get Godflight to actually come to the school and for their prom, which is like super awesome. But then we see that, uh, Hillary Faye is coming back, uh, to classes and we see that the pictures that we recently, we just saw of Hillary Faye's past, they're now all over the place. Like they're on the TVs, they're on the computers and she's just like going around like ferociously turning them off. And of course she thinks that Cassandra and Mary have something to do with this, but there's no proof or anything like that. After that has happened, we see a scene where Hillary Faye is like praying and she's really praying to like, you know, she's just praying to like, you know, they like, we need to, you know, I need to do something like, please God, like, you know, <laughs> something needs to be done. Da da da. And so the next day we see that, uh, the school has actually been spray painted all over. And so then Cassandra and Mary are on their way in. And then everyone's just like so sh- shocked and surprised by everything, by all of it. And of course, like, you know, it gets pinned on Cassandra and Mary that this has all happened. 
And so then, because what they're doing is they search Cassandra's locker and they search Mary's locker and all this going on. And this is where we also find out that Mary's pregnant. Everyone's finding out because what ends up happening when they're searching Mary's locker is that we see earlier that she's hiding a sonogram in the locker and so she's not hiding it at home. She's hiding it in there while they're looking and they're looking through her, her locker. Um, the teacher, the female teacher sees the sonogram. And she's trying to keep it a secret, right? But then it falls on the floor and they pick it up and they see what it is exactly. Uh, and then Hillary Faye even sees something like it too. So she sees like, oh shit. And then Mary just kind of passes out, I think, because everyone now knows that she's pregnant, which is crazy because she was kind of showing and then nobody seemed to know. So I'm just like, okay, great. So then everyone finds out Mary's pregnant. Um, Lillian and Skip, they then end up in the janitor's closet together. Um, because Pastor Skip is like telling Mary, Mary's mom, like, you know, you didn't know that she was pregnant. Like, you know, you went all this time and you weren't paying attention to your daughter like that. And then, of course, like Mary's mom is just like, well, I just thought she was stressing a little bit. I didn't want to give her a complex. Um, and so Pastor Skip is saying, like, listen, you've been too, like, like focused on me. You need to focus more on your daughter. And then they end up breaking up pretty much. Um, Cause again, we thought they were going to get together and they did, but then pastor skip is ending it. Cause he's just like, no, we can't do this. Can't do it. I believe that we then have Cassandra who's gotten expelled from the school. Roland then comes up um, and, you know, is trying to console her, but then she's just like, you know, I gotta get away. I gotta get away. So then, she drives off, leaving Roland behind where he's just like, I don't have a ride. And then I talked about it in my notes, but I call this the sad montage of characters because each one of the characters then, I think except for like Veronica and Tia maybe, but each one of the characters, it's like Mary and then Hillary Faye and then Patrick and then like Mitch and fucking like, like uh, what's his name? Dean. And like all these different characters just have these like little sad montages that they have going on. But I actually do like this because it just shows that they're really going through something. You know what I mean? And I like Cassandra's because she's driving away. She's driving um, and then you see also like Roland is like, you know, he's laying in front of that Jesus in front of the school. Um, he gets himself back on his wheelchair and whatever. But then I see that Cassandra, like she's, she is trying to say like, oh, let me find him. And you just see that all of these people are going through their respective different shit, you know, and, and you're just seeing that. So I, yeah, you just have your little sad montage going on. But then we see that Cassandra and Roland, they reunite downtown again because they really do get each other and they really seem to love each other and they get to finally reunite. I think Roland says something about like, I realized that, you know, I feel like I was relying on you like I was relying on Hillary Faye and I don't want you to be the person I don't want to be the guy who just relies on you because I need to. I want to be the guy that you want to be with. Because you want to be, you know, and, and she, you know, Sandra even says, like, I want to be with you. Um, it's just like really nice. And I just like their little, I don't know. I just like their little, their little relationship. It's very cute. Mary is then getting shipped off to Mercy House because her mom is like packing her shit up and like they're packing together. 
Um, and then we see that, you know, she's getting shipped off there, I guess, technically, but then I, she doesn't actually end up going, I don't think. In the meantime, while they're having their little, like, I think they also have like a little mom, dom, mom and daughter talk, like after either after Pastor Skip breaks up with him or breaks up with her or something like that. But we then see that we see Hillary Faye getting her hair done. Thank God. It's probably the best that it actually looks in the movie. Um, and her card is declined. So she's like, Oh shit. Like, you know, ugh, Roland. Um, and so we see that Roland and Cassandra, they reunite before um, prom and they have this like plan that they're going to do, which is like really fun and nice. So Roland and Cassandra, they reunite before the prom. They have this crazy plan that they're going to do. Um, they're going to have this crazy plan going on. I believe the crazy plan is like, it's a plan. that's just, you know, the plan is, is that we end up having, um, Mary is like on her way to get shipped off to Mercy House. She's not going to prom. She doesn't want to go, but she calls, um, I think Roland calls Cass, uh, Mary's house and tells them to come downtown. So then she gets like a cab to go downtown. And so Cassandra, Roland and Mary all meet downtown and they have this whole thing where they got Mary a dress. Uh, they are dressed up in their stuff to go to prom. And then, of course, like, fucking, uh, Mary's all like, well, you know, sh- like, Hillary Faye will have us kicked out. Like, what are you, what are you thinking? But then they're like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. And so then they have this limo come up, like, in one of the alleys or some shit. And, comes up and she's got like her like little corsage they gave her and like the red dress they give her and all this. And then we see that Patrick I actually comes out of the limo that they come up and he says, Mary, I really don't mind. It's just showing them being all really cute. I think they actually kiss finally again, or they finally kiss actually, I think. Um, and then they end up heading off to Param, where at this point we already have seen that, um, Hillary Faye and the Jewels have come to prom in their little, like, um, <laughs> in the, in the van, of course. Um, and so they park and then Tia's all like, it's bad enough we don't have dates. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> cause they couldn't get a limo because her car duck declined and all this shit. So they're all like in the van and then Tia does something where like she, I believe has to like get something that fell in the van, but what ends up happening, is she finds a receipt under the seat of, of, um, Hillary Faye's car of Hillary Faye's van. And so they're all getting out and they're going into prom and all that. Mary's mom you see is at home. She's watching TV. She's watching that weird Christian Jeopardy, I believe. And she's actually getting all the answers right. Whereas beforehand she was getting all of them wrong. Um, when she was trying to like, you know, play along and, and she was getting them wrong. So then we see that the gang ends up going to prom and all that. And it's like really fun and wonderful. We see that Godflate is playing. So everyone's like, you know, dancing along and they're dancing with everything. Uh, we see that Hillary Faye, uh, gets on stage with Tia and Veronica, um, because she does see there, you know, during this whole thing with Godflight, she sees that Mary and Cassandra and Roland are all there. And so, <laughs> 
we see that going on and then she calls out cassie and mary and then what ends up happening is she's trying to get pastor skip to like kick them out or whatever right um but he says no we're not going to kick them out like the christian thing would do would be just to let them stay and just like let them kind of you know handle their own shit and to be able to not just like you know they not just kick him out or whatever and then at this point hillary Fay's world is just starting to crack a little bit more um where she's not getting anything she wanted at all and then she has this like pimple on her face that's like coming down we then see that mary and cassandra they're also calling out like roland's calling him out to her out too but you know cassandra and mary are you know calling out Hillary Fay saying like so Cassie says something about like do you swear to god Hillary Fay that you didn't like vandalize this school and all that because they try to say like you know oh hey like we have these credit card charges because they said this earlier when they met downtown be like here's the charges to this Home Depot store pretty much where they got all this like uh where they got all of this spray paint uh so they thought that oh we could use that to like pin it on hillary fay but then hillary fay just comes back and be like all this shows is that you stole my credit card roland and then you probably got it um and all of that but then tia knows the t she knows the real she knows the real stuff but then cassie asks her like you know do you swear to god hillary fay and then hillary fay finally says like you know i swear to god i did not spray paint the school and all of this but then fucking tia spills the tea and she's like oh yes you did hillary fay and she shows that this receipt that she picked up on her um her car under the seat of her car it has her signature on there and so this just proves that like you know hillary fay really did spray paint the whole school and pin it on cassandra and mary and her world's just starting to break more and more. And then Mercy House decided they had to lead a rebellion and, like, take the Mercy House van out to the prom because Dean wants to go to his prom and he wants all of his friends to go to their prom. So then we see that Hillary Faye runs out of prom after, you know, like, Veronica's just like, don't touch me. Like, you know, you're just such a phony. And she, like, walks away and her life is just, like, crumbling around her. Hillary Faye runs out of prom. We don't see where she's gone, except we do. But then we have this whole conversation where Mercy House is there. We then find out. So Dean finds out that Mary's pregnant because she didn't tell him. Um, mainly because she tried to tell him the one time when, you know, it was Halloween. And he ended up not... Um, he wasn't listening pretty much very well. But there's this whole conversation where, like, I believe it was that Pastor Skip is there and he comes and he says something with the Mercy House kids. He says, like, you know, you guys just have to go and leave. Like, you know, um, cause Dean wants to come back there with his new boyfriend, Mitch. Um, and he wants to go to his prom. And then, you know, even Dean says, like, got kicked out of mercy you know we've got kicked out of our schools we got kicked out of our homes and now we're gonna get kicked out of mercy house there's nowhere else left for us to go we wanted to come to our prom and do this and there's this whole this whole like uh back and forth between pastor skip and i believe like patrick and mary and even dean as well where they talk about nothing in the bible is black and white and nobody is a hundred percent. Nobody, you know, is a hundred percent Christian all the time. Nobody is a hundred percent doing the right thing at a hundred percent of the time. And so getting into that, and I was talking about it earlier, I guess, 
talking about how, like, you know, sometimes when it comes down to people who are these religious fanatics or, you know, they're very religious, they just want to uphold these standards to a, a T and to a hundred percent. But, you know, this conversation is saying that not everything in the Bible is black and white. Not everything is at a hundred percent all the time. And anytime that something just doesn't fit into your worldview, you just want to tamp it down. You want to try and like get rid of it. And that's not how the world is, you know, and that's true. It's very true. And so then <laughs> you have this whole thing going on. So Mercy House comes to the prom and they're able to co and they have their whole conversation that they're having. But then of course, outside you hear this engine revving. And then of course, Pastor Scripps like, then what the hell is going on here? And so then um, we see that uh, Hillary Faye is in her van and she is revving her engine and be like, what the hell is she doing? Like, what is going on? And Hillary Faye decides to just like drive through the parking lot. She slide swipes a car and she just is like, be a warrior, Hillary Faye. Because again, you could just see that she's like lost a little bit of touch with reality um, where she is just like over everything and whatever. Um, I've heard that there was also rewrites to this script, and apparently one of the drafts of the script had Hillary Fay almost like shooting the school up. Apparently, I don't know if that's actually true or not, but I've heard it anyway. But then you see that Hillary Fay is driving towards the Jesus that her, I think, father even helped pay for or whatever that they were working on in the beginning of the movie, and she crashes her car into Jesus. Um, and like the, um, the airbag pops out and, you know, the, the head of Jesus just like falls onto like the foot of her car and oh my God, so crazy. Um, but then at this time as well, we see that Mary is kind of like woozy and she's just like not feeling great. Um, we then see that, uh, Cassandra and Roland run over to Hillary Faye to make sure she's okay when Cassandra says, like, that was so awesome, Hillary Faye. But then we see that Roland and Cassandra, they come up to, to Hillary Faye and is like, just asking her, like, are you okay? Like, you know, and be like, no, I crashed my van into Jesus. I am not okay. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to remember my prom like this. I didn't want to remember high school like this. And it's just showing that, like, even though Hillary Faye is kind of a piece of shit throughout the whole movie, honestly, I mean, she kind of is. But, like, the thing is, is that, I mean, she even asked the question of, like, oh, I'm so sorry, Roland, like, you know, and she's kind of apologizing to him and, you know, apologizing to Cassandra as well. And she says something about, like, does Jesus still love me? And Roland's just like, eh, probably, eh, probably not. And he's like, yeah, sure, why not? I also like how he says, like, after the, the the head of Jesus, like, falls on the car, he's like, well, maybe we can fix it with, like, some glue or something. So then they kind of walk away together, which is nice. Because, again, it's showing that Hillary Faye, even though she's been a piece of shit throughout the movie, she's just, like, she's just tried to bend this thing. She's tried to be this perfect Christian girl, and she's tried to be this perfect example, when that doesn't exist, you know? And, and... It finally kind of got to her and she broke down. And now that she had her breakdown, she's now able to kind of rebuild, which I think is good. She's able to now rebuild and and deal with that, which I think is just a little bit healthier. We then see Tia stealing the crown from the um, from the uh, van, 
which I just love. I think that's really funny. Mary then is going into labor at this point and she gets taken away in an ambulance. We see that. So, cause they call an ambulance cause they think they call an ambulance for Hillary Faye, but then what ends up happening is that Mary goes into labor cause actually Hillary Faye doesn't really need the ambulance, but <laughs> Mary does. So there's the whole scene where like Mary is in the back of the ambulance and they're like, you know, um, <laughs> they have the whole scene where it's like, uh, only room for one be like well i'm i'm the father and be like well i'm the boyfriend and then mitch is like oh i'm his boyfriend and so none of them are actually getting in but then you see that mary's mom actually comes through and comes up to the because she saw that her daughter wasn't there anymore she saw that uh, mary wasn't in the um her room any longer so she goes to search at the prom and then she actually gets to the back of the ambulance with her daughter because she also talked about, I think it was earlier when she was getting shipped off to fucking Mercy House saying something about, you know, I think it was her mom saying like something like this after she finds out she's pregnant says like, this could really ruin your life, Mary. And Mary's like, well, did I ruin your life, mom? Huh? And there's a whole thing like that. And then at this point, at the end of the movie, you see that, you know, her mom says like, you didn't ruin my life. Like you didn't at all. Um, you've added to it, you know, you're a big part of my life, of course, and, you know, you didn't ruin it. So that's really nice. And so then you see that Mary has had her baby, and that's really nice and wonderful. She's in the hospital room, and she is talking about, like, you know, this isn't what I thought about when I, you know, (laughs) this isn't what I thought when I was saving Dean. I didn't think it was going to end up this way. But I'm very glad it did in a way. Like, she loves her daughter so much. She's, like, so into her, of course, which I thought was really nice. And we end with the gang. So you see, like, Cassandra's there. Roland's there. uh, Dean is there. Dean's so excited he has a daughter and all of this. And um, they're all just, like, in her, her hospital room. And the nurse, like, takes a picture of them all. And then also you see outside, you see that, Pastor Skip is out there with like flowers to like try to come back to like reconcile with, with the mother, with, um, Lillian. And apparently, I guess we're now just to assume that like, I guess that Dean and Mary are going to help co-parent this kid and the kid's just going to be like, um, the kid is going to be like just raised by this group of people, I guess. I don't know. I just thought it was funny, but I do just want to end a little bit on, um, after giving birth, the quote that Mary says, because I think it's a nice little quote and it's just really cute. So the voiceover says, okay, I'm pretty sure this isn't what Jesus had in mind when he said, help Dean. Look, don't be harsh. I'm not the first person to ever get the message screwed up. Looking at her, it's like life is too amazing to be this random and meaningless consequence of the universe. There had to be a God or something out there. And so this is how the movie kind of ends with all of that. And I just thought that was a nice little quote to kind of end on, because even though I think myself, I'm not much of a religious person at all or anything, um, I think that kind of encapsulates what this movie is and, you know, um, <laughs> what this experience for this girl was and and all of that. So... I thought that was a nice little ending to the movie. Um, and I, I really enjoy it. And then we go into our ending credits with God only knows playing again, I believe, which is fun. Uh, but yeah, and that is the end of 
saved. So in regards to this film, I personally really enjoy this movie. As I said earlier, I think this movie is just such a fun little satire of just how ridiculous religion can be sometimes and just kind of the sort of culture around it for people who are within that kind of community. I think that's what's poking fun at generally. And again, just like the kind of ridiculousness of religious um, zealotism, if you will. So I think, um, and it also, it's prime 2004 film, you know, Uh, it's definitely within there. And uh, as somebody who lived through it, I can definitely tell you that much. But uh, I definitely think that this is just a, uh, it's a nice entry into the teen movie pantheon, if you will. Um, and I definitely think it's worth a watch. At least it's entertaining. Um, and, you know, I think even if you haven't had experiences with religion, I still think you can get a kick out of it in some way. Uh, the cast is great, you know, and, and I also just think it's a really personal story for the director, you know, and, and he was able to bring it to life and then be able to have some kind of career, uh, afterwards. So I just think that's totally cool. And, uh, I definitely would recommend it. Uh, right now you can watch it on, I believe it's Tubi, Roku. I watched it on Roku before and also I think on Pluto and stuff. It was on Prime last year, so it might make the rounds every now and then on there as well, so you can hopefully not have any ads. But, uh, but yeah, I even would probably, I would probably own this, um, get my, get my hands on Blu-ray of it or something like that, so that I can, uh, watch it whenever I want to. But, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, I think Saved is definitely worth your time to watch. It's, you know, a, a nice, fun little teen movie, uh, and I just think, uh, you know, give yourself over to the Lord, you know, like, why not? (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, definitely go check it out uh, if you haven't already done so. As always, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do so at cultcinemacircle at gmail.com. In case you want to give any movie recommendations, give feedback on the show, or if you just want to say, hey, I'm open to all of it. You can also follow the Cult Cinema Circle podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram handle is Cult Cinema Circle, and Twitter handle is Cult Cine Circle. On those platforms, I tend to announce the different episodes I'm going to be doing. I'll make little Instagram stories when we have an episode drop, and just generally interact with anybody on there that wants to interact with me. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, Kremp, K-R-E-M-P, all one word. On there, I log the movies that I watch and write little reviews about them and just general foolishness over there. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast on your podcatcher of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm pretty much out there everywhere. Be sure to leave five stars and a one to two sentence review so we can grow the audience more and also just spread the love all around. Be sure to tune in next week to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast, where I'll be covering 1998's Can't Hardly Wait. It's graduation day at Huntington Hills High, and you know what that means. Time to party. And not just any party, either. This one will be a night to remember. As the nerds become studs, the jocks are humiliated, and freshman crushes blossom into grown-up romance. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. And remember, I am filled with Christ's love. You're just jealous of my success with the Lord. Take care. Bye.